Hello and welcome to Are We Forcing It? I'm Annie. And I'm Marianne. And we are a Star Wars focused slash inspired podcast where we talk about Star Wars things, obviously. Um, And this is the second of our bonus book episodes uh, because next week, very exciting, Andor is going to premiere. We're very excited. so this week in Star Wars news, first of all, our it's actually been a while since we last recorded, and um, most of the news in our last thing that I think when I think it published today, I'm pretty sure I said it to publish today, uh, was already like three weeks old. But one of those things that we had talked about in the news was that Rogue One was getting a theatrical release for one day only, mm-hmm. and Marianne, you went. I did. It was amazing. <laughs> so I had seen Rogue One in theaters when it first came out. I went like opening day or whatever. Or like the next day or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But anyways, um, but I had seen it in theaters. And I remember because it was like the first a Star Wars story. You know what I mean? It was like the first of like the oh, non episode. It was the first one. And, and it was I the remember. Year... It was the year after The Force Awakens, which Force Awakens, did super yeah. well. Right. And so I remember um, my aunt happened to be visiting at the time. And I said, hey, I'm going to go see Rogue One tonight. I'm going to go take myself to dinner go see Rogue One. And she's like, can I go? I'm like, okay. So her and I went and had uh, Turkish food and then went to uh, dinner. Anyways, <clears throat> so I went to see Rogue One. And the first thing that – because – Again, this was like the first a Star Wars story that was not one of the episodes. So of course I'm expecting the um the the crawl, right? With mm-hmm. the da, 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 you know, the main theme in the crawl. That was not what happened. And I was like, what? 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 <laughs> I was very shocked. That was that was not what I was expecting. And like the movie continued to shock me, but I was also like damn this is really good it's dark and it's gritty but i love it and i really i thoroughly enjoyed it so then they for andor they re-released uh rogue one in imax theater and there happened to be three here in kansas city that they released it in so um i went um my sister was supposed to go with me but uh she had to cancel at the last minute but i still had fun so i went and this time, I mean, I'd seen Rogue One multiple times, obviously, by the time I'd seen it here in um, IMAX. But this time, I really paid attention. And I was really paying attention to the music and to what was going on and thinking about, because they showed um, a clip, an exclusive clip from Andor. And so I was just really paying attention to what was going on, thinking about that clip and thinking about, like, stuff that we had seen about Andor. And I oh, think so the just, clip was before. They played it before the movie? Yeah, they played it before the movie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was um <coughs> I don't know if they've showed it. On, they like, probably have at um D23 they had they yet probably another did it. panel. Yeah, they so. they might have showed it at that same one at D23, but it's when um that senator approaches Cassian and he's like so <laughs> how'd you do it? I'll give you a thousand credits. <laughs> and um and so uh, 
like the more that I see like commercials, like, you know, trailers and stuff for Andor and the more I think of Rogue One, the more I get so fucking excited about this show because it's like, I don't know. There's just something about this show that has me so excited because I, I guess it's like, um, I guess it's like seeing people go against um, evil, I guess you could say, going against yeah, an, the normal evil people. regime. Yeah, normal people going up against a regime, you know? And I saw a review for about it today. That. It was the it, first well, review I'd seen, but it was, um, I think I sent it to you. He's one of the bigger Star Wars content Taco. creators on TikTok. Yeah. He's one of my mutuals. <laughs> oh, how come no one mutuals me, like me, the one not on Star Wars TikTok, obviously? Oh, yeah, he's um, one of my mutuals weirdly enough <laughs> yeah so he basically um he said that it was really good but he said after watching it basically that he feels like the decision to put it off and release all three of them well maybe not to put it off but the triple release episode release yeah. was because there's not a lot of substance to the pilot it almost sounds like the first two are feel really disjointed because of the ensemble like they're building the characters in the ensemble well, I think it, and I then think the third one they all building. come together yeah i think it's from what i understand it's a lot of world building and like, at least in the first episode because that was the general gist that i got from other creators was that the first episode was like was a lot of world building was getting you up getting you ready for like with cassie and especially like where he came from because from what i understand he was on a separatist planet he was born on a separatist planet so um it's a lot of build up and they called it a slow burn like you know how people talk about like romance novels and fan fictions being slow burns that's what they said this was like the first couple of episodes are like slow burns but they said it's yeah, gonna be it's, worth it it's a slow setup but i guess episode yeah. three is when it really gets going so that's exciting. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I it's just, dropping this Thursday, the 21st. Hopefully this comes out on Tuesday. Wednesday. So, Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday, Wednesday, the 21st. Yes. Tomorrow, uh, hopefully. <laughs> but one of the things that Diego Luna had said was um, he said, like, because he had mentioned it's just about, like, he's like, it's a story of, like, immigrants and stuff like that and of normal people. I think even uh, uh, Tony Gilroy said the same thing. It's like the story of normal people. Going up, going up against the empire, and I guess maybe that speaks more to us because we are normal people, and you know the idea of especially like Americans, I guess, are you know with the whole revolution, um, but it just like, but like you know like the story of like immigration and those who've had to fight against evil regime regimes and stuff like that. You know, it probably you know those who who have been a part of that who've had to go up against a government that they felt was not um good and so it speaks to them you know on a more personal level and so i'm really excited about this and watching rogue one and imax was just beautiful like at one point it got really quiet and you just hear me sniffling me <laughs> <laughs> crying i was about to say wasn't there a point it was silent except you were crying <laughs> Yeah, except for me crying. Yeah. It, absolutely. It was I was like, I don't I don't care. <laughs> I know, wasn't able but... to go see it um because I think I was working that day and uh then I tragically got let go from my job. It's okay. I'm okay. Anyway. <laughs> um but I wasn't able to see it, but I'm going to be rewatching it before Andor drops on Wednesday. Uh yeah. So in other Star Wars news we got, we finally 
semi tragically got a release oh date God. for the Bad Batch season two. Oh. Um, <laughs> January, 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 <coughs> a full year, two years after the first season dropped. Yeah, because supposedly it was supposed to drop in the spring because that was when it was advertised, and then in May at um star wars celebration they're like oh this fall and then for whatever reason on disney plus for like a short time it said september 28th i think but only in australia no 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 that was like like after like that day that they announced that they dropped the trailer for bad batch during um star wars celebration i pulled up disney plus and it said uh september 28th and then like you could see that in may and then like it was gone it went back to coming soon and then australia had disney plus australia was like yes september 28th but then disney plus poland was like january and we're just like the fuck is going on and so everybody was hoping at d23 they would tell us which they did thank goodness because if we all remember d23 last year Was it D23 last year? Yeah, D23 last year when we were hoping to hear something about Obi-Wan and all of these these stinking fan sites were like, we should be hearing stuff about Obi-Wan, like a trailer and everything, and we never got it. That was awful. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was D23 that that happened. I don't don't actually remember if it was D23. On Prime Day, we definitely got screwed. Not Prime. On Disney Plus Day, we definitely got screwed. Disney Plus Day. It was Disney Plus Day, not D23. It was Disney Plus Um, Day. But I definitely remember there was like a week of panels that Marvel just like monopolied. And we were like, where is the Star Wars panel? Yes. Like, so Marvel. Maybe both. Maybe it was D23 and um, Disney Plus Day. I don't. It was definitely. No, I remember now it was Disney Plus Day. I remember now it was Disney Plus Day because, like, even the big content creators, like Mesa Windu, he had this beautiful, like, it is time montage of Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, it's gorgeous. And then he's like, I'm sorry, guys. It was like, it's not your fault. We were everybody kept telling us we were supposed to get something about, but we did get a little bit of something about Obi Wan Kenobi, and it was like a behind the scenes thing, but a very, very, very vague behind the scenes thing. Yeah, and I kind of wonder, like maybe because I heard during the second big lockdown they had a lot more delays, but they didn't. You know, during the first big lockdown, they actually. Where, like, everything's coming out six months to a year later. And then they had their second big lockdown, which obviously wasn't for six months or whatever the first one was. But I think that it still delayed a lot of things. And they just really wanted to be optimistic about them. Yeah. But, you know, we might never know. And the truth is that, like, before the internet movie, theaters didn't even announce. Usually a movie was coming out for six months. So, like or I say theaters, movie studios wouldn't announce. And, you know, no one knew how often movies were delayed and stuff. But now because, like, Marvel announces things six years out and Star Wars announces things several years out, I think we're all really used to there being a schedule. But not to get super off topic, but I think you can really start to see it, especially in Marvel movies, the strain that it has on, like, the VFX artists and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, the quality of the production itself is like going down because everything is over rushed i think um but star wars is one of the only mediums that has access to the volume technology and that's like a 
game changer the you know the big screen thing the led screen thing mm -hmm. they use and that, oh, that was so cool does a that saves them a ton of time i think it's extremely expensive to use but well, i think time and... has to be on their side <laughs> i think because they used it for kenobi didn't they yeah they did i think star and... wars is the only ones that are using it right now it's funny because uh, Kenobi didn't have as big, if I remember correctly, Kenobi doesn't have, didn't have that big of a budget as Andor does. I think I, think I it heard was, that somewhere. I think it was because, um, first of all, Andor has a much larger ensemble cast. I'm sure they need well, to pay and them all. They already, and they already were talking about a season two. Uh, Kenobi was just supposed to be a one season, a, a mini series. And now True. like, now people are like, are we going to get a season two? Cause like fucking uh, Ewan McGregor at, um, uh, at Star Wars Celebration is like, we hope you enjoy, enjoy three and four and five and six and seven, eight and nine. We're just like, what, 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 what? What are you trying to tell us, man? You know? Though honestly, I would uh, if I would I'm fine with just one season. If they brought in a second season and it was just as good as season one, that I I'd be fine with it. But I'm still fine with just one season. It was perfect. I think they're much more likely just to put him and put him or those characters in other things. I'm like, if you're gonna make a season two, I would then focus on his relationship with Luke because apparently, based on A New Hope, him and Luke have some sort of relationship. You know, because he's like yeah. Ben, Ben, Kenobi, and they did you know? leave it. They did leave it open-ended where it was like, and now he gets to hang out with Luke more, but I don't know that they have any like cool adventures or whatever. Right. Um, but I, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's that, but I don't care. if Well, we're very excited for Andor and our next episode, we're going to be talking about those first three episodes. Yes. Which we're hopefully. very excited about. Um, one other piece of recent news. So we have been reading the princess and the scoundrel uh the last episode we'd only each read the prologue and now we've each read like a handful of chapters um i like it so far i think the plot's moving a little slow but the whole the whole pitch right is that it's supposed to be the wedding of princess leia and right. ron right. um and there's how many chapters 60 62 62 chapters i'm yeah. on chapter nine and they already got married <laughs> so like um but i also it sets up a conflict it's not like yeah oh the book's over it's like oh this is it's actually like for like, wedding and honeymoon or something like that yeah yeah and it's clear it's gonna be a rough go they're not gonna be getting any privacy or peace in the next they're going on 50 chapters <laughs> well i guess like some yeah. people complain that it's like a um it's like a, uh, an advertisement for the new Star Wars Star Cruiser Hotel at Disney World. Because <laughs> that's what that is. The Hallison that you go do the interactive hotel. I've heard Disney that, World. but I think it's more it's of like a, a wink. Like, I think it's more of like a, eh? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't finished the book. But that was I, like. Yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm on chapter 9 or 10. And there's no ship yet. So. I guess it depends how much of a, how much of it, or what am I saying? How big of a role it actually plays in the story, I guess. So time will tell. But right. so but far, Annie, I'm really enjoying it. Let's, uh, let's talk about the author, though. Oh, my gosh, you guys. <laughs> 
So if you follow either of us on TikTok, um, which if you're listening to this podcast, you're much more likely to follow Marianne. Um, basically, what happened was I'm in a class this semester at SNHU and in my my earning my master's in creative writing and i'm taking an editing and coaching class uh which i was really looking forward to because i really enjoy editing i edit um marianne's fan fiction uh star wars mm -hmm. fan fiction although at this point it's like i don't know like slash ghost writing <laughs> like i think that after learning what i know about editing i do way too much changes for it actually to be considered editing that's why but I said contributor. That's why I changed you to contributor. I guess we now co-write it. Marianne has yeah. the story, though. The story is all Marianne. Um, and I have opinions on it. She makes it better. <laughs> like, Annie I, makes it better. I, I, I give a skeleton of it, and then she fills it out. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Although this past chapter, the second half, I didn't change that much. So, you know. Yeah, I'm a, getting it's there. It's a contribution work in progress. That's what I'm so telling you. That's why you're a contributor slash editor. Yes. So anyway, I was excited for this class. And my professor's name on the thing was Elizabeth Revis. And I was like, interesting. It seemed kind of familiar, but I didn't like, I wasn't connecting the dots. Literally, I started this class before we picked up or around the same time that we bought the book. And... I remember I sent an email to her and her email is like B or Beth Rebus. And I was like, well, that sounds even more familiar, but okay. <laughs> like I didn't, it just wasn't connecting. And a lot of my professors are some sort of best-selling author and they, uh, you know, they don't really talk about what they've written except in like their introduction announcements. And I don't think that she actually talked about this one. So basically. It's week three of the module. This was uh, last week. And she sent out the, this announcement that was like, hello, everybody. Um, I'm going to be featured on Wireside Chat this month, which is like the monthly webinar from our MFA program. And she was like, I'm going to be talking about my new book, which set in the Star Wars universe. And I was like, Star Wars universe? Like, what book is this? Obviously, I had to have heard of it. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mary... <laughs> And this was like, I don't know, 10 a.m. on like a Wednesday. And I'm like sending her these all cap texts. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit, Mary. I'm like, holy I'm in crap, the middle OMG. of scanning a patient and my watch is blowing up. <laughs> Mary was like, what? What's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, that means this is my professor. And I like sent her the screenshot. And she was like, how could you not have known? I was like, I don't know. It just never occurred to me you know like she was just my editing professor and I ended up I had to write her an email about homework later that week and I was like hey um I just have some questions blah 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 by the way are you Beth Revis <laughs> or actually I was like I had no idea you were the Beth Revis I'm reading the book right now with my friend she like we're both huge fans we are fangirling right now and her reply was basically like so glad to hear my book is out in the world making people happy or something like that <laughs> and I went to the webinar and she talked a lot about it actually and I learned a lot about um she called it work for hire writing which basically means you get paid an amount to write the book and then you don't earn royalties afterwards um mm -hmm. and I need to 
we i mean like whenever we finish the book i'll know more because she was like no spoilers but like at the end of the book i actually had a different villain but we ended up deciding this villain fit better like it wasn't that lucasfilm said you couldn't use them she said there was the last book she wrote which i think was about Jin or so um she said there was a villain and or i don't think it was a villain but she said there had been a character in that book that lucasfilm was like actually uh the comics decided they're using them in the same timeline so you can't actually like you have to rewrite this whole like portion of the book uh but she said this book she did end up changing a villain but it was because she sent it to lucasfilm and they were like or her editor at lucasfilm or del rey and they were like um this actually seems like a thing this other villain would do and she was like oh that's perfect let's do it so I guess we'll read the book and figure out who this villain is and maybe yeah, we'll no guess kidding. and try to see who the other villain was. She had a lot more to say, but like it's all very craft stuff and I don't want to misquote her at this point. <laughs> like I didn't take notes. I was kind of frazzled because I couldn't find the link to get on and it was a whole thing. So I missed most of the stuff where she talked about the book, but she talked a lot more about, you know, that hiring process. But you guys, I've never felt so cool. <laughs> like I've never <laughs> been like, oh my gosh, I know them. I also started following. Um, also, she liked one of your TikToks. And yeah. I, when you sent it to me, I thought it was the TikTok. And I was like, wow, this is embarrassing. Now she thinks I'm a teacher's pet. But like, no, it no, wasn't it was, that one. It was my talk when I just talked about Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Yeah. Um, She's a really nice professor, guys, in case you, <laughs> you wanted to know. Um, I'm learning a lot about editing. Sweet, honestly. She is really sweet. And she, it was, oh, this is one thing I do want to say, though, because as people that write, um, you know, you hear very often about rejection stories. She said she wrote a book every year and queried a book every year for a decade before she got picked up. And I was like, man, which she's, I think, 40 now. So, like, I don't know when she started, but she said her first book was published six or seven years ago. So that means she started young and into her 30s. And she was like, my husband is incredibly supportive. And I was like, man. But it gave me hope. I was like, oh my gosh, I could query for 10 years and then finally make it. Although I think the market's slowly turning in favor of indie publishers. So maybe that'll be the way to go by then. Um, I think, though, that that is all of our recent update stuff very excited to be reading the princess and the scoundrel hopefully next time we'll have read a uh, little more yeah. so that we can talk about more kind of under the weather so that hasn't been helping me yeah there's been a lot going on but now that the school year is underway and everything like that hopefully we can get into more of a routine so today we are talking about Star Wars novelizations and specifically the two that we've actually read because <laughs> so all of the read. movies have novelizations. There's also a lot of like supplemental material that kind of crosses over with them. Um, there's also the anthology short stories, uh, which are um, from a certain, from point, a certain of point of view. Yes. So I guess the um, uh, certain point of view, Return of the Jedi is supposed to come out next year that makes they're sense they, the Jedi one, yeah. there, there are so many I should probably I always want to buy it but the one at Second and Charles is like $45 and I'm like I can't spend that much on a book <laughs> so $45 just what in the world hanging around. it is thick well they only sell the hardcover there 
So oh, it's a thick it was book. like, oh, okay, because I was like, I just have the 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 soft cover ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to go to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> but... I have the I have the Empire Strikes Back and the first one. The, um, you know what I really want? This is super off topic, but they make these journals that are VHS covers. Oh yes, I've seen those. <laughs> I want those again. They're like twenty bucks a piece, but I'm like, nah. Someday they're gonna be on my movie shelf, and they're secretly gonna be journals. Um. Anyway, but the anthology so, stories are good. Um, because they're actually considered canon. But um, but like I because think, the yeah the funny thing is is because the novelizations except for the prequel or the sequels are are all considered legends. Um. The prequels and the original are all considered legends. The novelizations are, but the sequels are not. Those are considered canon. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wonder what, but the certain point of view stories are just like. I think uh, it's just so kind good. of that same general rule of like pre and post Disney, like pre Disney yeah, exactly. is legends. But I think yeah. the certain, yeah, but I think the certain point of view are actually considered, it's actually considered canon. Um, only reason I say that is because one of the short stories in The Empire Strikes Back. No, the first one, sorry, in New Hope. Or is The Empire Strikes Back? One of them. Anyways, one of them, um, <laughs> one of them is Obi-Wan's point of view. It's The Empire Strikes Back. His point of view <clears throat> when he goes to confront Luke on Dagobah before, as Luke is trying to rush off to uh, Bespin to save Han and Leia. Oh, that's and the it, one where it's like even in death he can't escape these stupid yes, Skywalker decisions. Yes. Oh my god. Like that chapter had me laughing. I would TikTok about it. Like that chapter had me laughing and sobbing. Like, because that was the one where um it's the first year that Anakin was Obi-Wan's Padawan. Obi-Wan would wake up and find him sleeping in his quarters because Anakin was scared that he was going to lose Obi-Wan because he lost his mother and he lost Qui-Gon. So he's afraid that he was going to lose Obi-Wan. So every night for like a year, Anakin would sneak in in the middle of the night and sleep on the floor next to his bed. <coughs> and it just was, it's such a beautiful little story. But anyway, so yeah, <coughs> the novelizations, <coughs> all of the pre-Disney stuff is considered legends. So the sequels are considered canon. Um, but please, Annie, tell us exactly what exactly novelizations are and how they're written, because I feel like you know more about this than I do. Um, probably not that much more, <laughs> but basically a novelization is when the primary medium that the story is told in is film um, or something else, you know, radio drama or whatever. So when you novelize something, it means that you adapted that to... Um, you know, literature, novel form. And, you know, it goes both ways, obviously. Like, we hear a lot about movies that come from, like, they're called screenplay ad adaptations. So it's yep. like, you know, it's the opposite of that. Right. Uh, but most of the time, especially with blockbusters, uh, I think that they are released kind of in a similar like almost in a promotional way i remember when i thought uh, the, the novels came out the same time as the movies i feel like they come out but they don't come out earlier than the movies because of no. spoilers they come I out i think like they come out like a week later after. or something yeah yeah uh but i remember when 
Narnia came out, for instance, which Narnia, of course, is an adaptation, but they made these like middle grade books to go with it. Um, I remember reading those and, you know, Frozen has some and stuff like that. So like big movies will have them. And I think they're kind of supposed to be supplemental, but I think it's just reaching as wide an audience as possible because I'd say most people will watch movies, but there are just some people that really prefer to read and you know sometimes the novelizations will include things that the movies won't I think that the storytelling medium difference is that POV is a much stricter and more specific storytelling device in a novel POV being the point of view from which you're telling the story like in a movie it's almost always like third person and the POV kind of just determines on like you know which character is the camera following around but the camera is seeing everything from the outside and in a book you know it could be any amount of characters so like uh I think that it takes advantage of storytelling elements that are specific to novels and literature uh and uses those strengths to tell the story in a slightly different way, but also tell the same story. And it also, so, I feel like novelizations also add so much to the movies. Oh, for sure. Well, I think it it depends. Although the one I will say probably the my favorite one I've read. Um, I don't know if it actually counts as a novelization, but it's called I think it's called Frozen Heart, and it's a frozen one, and it's the story from Hans's point of view. Uh, and it's incredible like it's very short very ya feeling but it's like the depth it added to his character <laughs> for some reason which is so dumb because it's frozen right like it's a musical but i think that they can do a lot um i think it's probably harder in movies like star wars where half of the impact of the movie is the spectacle is the concept of the movie, but also Star Wars has some very iconic characters to work around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Are you okay over there? All right. All right. I um. What I really liked about the Revenge of the Sith novelization, I don't. I don't want to say I got bullied into reading it, but I definitely people were like, "You really got to read this one," and. It's funny because if you ask a lot of people, um, a lot of like uh, people who are really into Star Wars, they'll tell you that the Revenge of the Sith novelization is probably one of the best of the Star Wars novelizations, if not the best. Um, but I like I've never read novelizations before, so this was this would have been my first novelization, like a movie novelization, and it surprised me like how much depth it gave to the movie like it was like oh you know as you're reading you're just like okay i do think you know, that the prequels are like prime real estate for novelizations which i guess i should say because i don't think we said this the one marianne like you just said you the one you read is the revenge of the sith mm-hmm. um by what's his name matthew stover matthew stover i kept thinking um this guy you know the guy from Suits? That's the guy I was thinking of his name. Oh. <laughs> All right. Is it Suits? Yes. Anyway. Um, and 
Matt Bomer. I think that's his name. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. No, not him. <laughs> Matthew Stone. I was like, no, it's not that. Um, and I read the Phantom Menace one by Terry Brooks. Terry Brooks, of course, huge name in sci-fi and fantasy. Sci-fi, I think mostly yep. fantasy. He's been writing books forever, but also the movie came out forever ago. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, go on. So it was the first novelization oh, you so, read. I'm sorry. It was the first novelization that I read, and I was... I need to read it again. Um, I really want to read it again because I think now, because when I first read it, I read it on my phone. <laughs> um, and I think I just kind of flew through it um, because as of late, especially with Star Wars books, I have been really reading them and like annotating like crazy with them. And so, because like if you look at um, the other, so Matthew Stover also wrote, he wrote a couple more Star Wars books. He also wrote um, Shatterpoint, which is about Mace Windu. Um, if you look at my Shatterpoint book, you can see like there's like a gazillion tabs here. Um, yeah, I've seen pictures. Of course, yeah. Of course, it was mostly me, mostly for research purposes, for writing about Mace Windu and my fan fiction and making sure that I get his character right and making sure that I get. <coughs> um, the that bad right for mm-hmm. my character um so that's that's mainly why but i mean also i also kind of find annotating to be kind of interesting like it kind of it helps me slow down to read books because that's my problem i tend to read too fast um and i think that's what happened when i read um uh the revenge of the sith revenge. also yeah Revenge also, towards the beginning, it kind of pissed me off and I stopped reading it for a while. <laughs> oh my um, but but once I got back into it, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, this is really good. Matthew Stover just has a way with prose. Like P-R-O-S-E. Like he's just, right. he just, I, oh, I cannot, I wish I could read this first, like, um, age of heroes this introduction i don't know if we would get in trouble for doing that um but yeah i don't first... think we will have clearance to continue monetization yeah. not that we're making that much money but yeah exactly <laughs> but the introduction yeah. the age of heroes is just incredible and even like reading shatterpoint i just thoroughly enjoyed the way he wrote i love the way i can he tell wrote. from the stuff that you write in when i get the chapters for I names fan fiction. Um sometimes I'm like, I don't know what she's reading, but it is way fancier than what I'm reading. <laughs> like I I just I don't be... know. Just <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, which is not a bad thing. I I try to read stuff that is more simple and I like to get through things faster. I think that's I don't normally read novelizations and I think it's because if I can spend two hours watching the movie I'm not going to spend a week and a half reading a novelization. Uh, That's just my TBR is too long for that. I know, I know, but I really need to reread Revenge of the Sith. Um, I want to read it after hearing about it. It's just so good. I mean, Matthew Stover, I wish he'd write like him and James Luceno, Luceno, who who wrote Tarkin. um, He wrote Catalyst. He also wrote um, Darth Plagueis. 
Like there are some authors that they picked up that I wish they would keep them going. Um, I haven't read. I they haven't probably read, can't um, pay them enough anymore. <laughs> They're probably it's Matthew Stover and like Terry Brooks, for instance, could not like. I'm not, I have no idea what these advanced, well, they're not advancements. They're set prices for these, for these situations. Like these authors are not getting royalties from the books and they don't have right to their own right to distribute those books. Like a lot of authors will retain the right after five or 10 years. Like if a publisher discontinues their book, the publish, the author will have the rights to self-publish it. And in this case, like the author doesn't have that anymore. So, like, I have no idea what their advancements are, but, like, someone with a name as big as Terry Brooks and probably Matt Stover, those are not going to be cheap commissions. Oh, I'm so sure I'm not. I mean, that's part of why they're going after. Timothy not that Zahn. Worse authors, Timothy Zahn, but... too. No, but, but even Timothy Zahn is a big name oh, for sure. in sci-fi. But he's written, for, he's written three trilogies for Star Wars, all having to do with Thrawn. Um, but he was one of the first authors that Lucasfilm hired, I believe, for um books you know well i don't know that not even one of the first but Lucas he was Film definitely approached him i've heard things about the original uh, like i think his are some of the earliest uh, his, the, like the earliest expanded universe books heir to the empire books were they were approved they were approved by like what did i how did i read how did yeah, I, read? I feel like i don't want to miss say what happened but i've heard that george lucas was like it's okay but it wasn't like he it was he his idea like to make the, the book, book. No, no 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 george lucas yeah. did not like the extended universe he definitely to him the movies and the shows are canon the books are not he doesn't he didn't care yeah. for the extended universe at all but timothy zahn he's written three trilogies for lucasfilm all having to do with thrawn because thrawn is such a popular character um but i can tell you one thing though like I'm looking at my bookshelf and I see like Ahsoka um, and the Queen's trilogy. Like it is to me, I feel like I can read the difference. I can see the difference between a YA novel and an adult novel just based on like the writing style. Is Ahsoka um, a adult it's YA. novel? No, it's oh, YA. Is it? Mm -hmm. But the yes, oh, so but so are YA. the queens, aren't they? The queens, the queens are trilogy. YA too. Yep, the queens trilogy is YA. Yeah. Ahsoka is YA. Yeah, I found Ahsoka in the YA section. I was like, where the fuck is it? <laughs> I found it in the YA <laughs> section. Um, but I can definitely and Leia, Princess of Alderaan, is YA too. But I can definitely tell a difference, like in the writing styles. Like I like when I was like reading Catalyst and going between going from Catalyst to Princess Leia, Princess of Alderaan was like, oh. This is a difference. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm going between two different authors, too. So, you know. That's true. But there is a, in MFAs, which I should, I guess I should give this disclaimer. Although I think, I get, well, anyway. <laughs> the disclaimer that I assume most people know, but also probably shouldn't assume that most people know, is that uh, I'd say the majority of published authors don't didn't have their degree in creative writing. They just figured out the craft on their own which is you know i think a perfectly good thing it's not something i could have done on my own <laughs> so i mean i was a pretty good writer but like i don't think that a lot of the fine details are things i could have done that being said um in my classes you know i had to take a few genre classes i still have one left uh in my program 
um, they talk about the distinct styles between YA and adult, and it'll be like YA is supposed to be seventh through ninth grade reading level. And um, you kind of, you don't really study the reading levels, but you're supposed to be able to identify them for sure. So, and a lot of authors will go on to write in several different levels, you know, like they'll have grade does. middle grade. Yeah. Middle grade's a, a little harder. I don't know if I'd be able to write the kind of stories I'd want to write in middle grade just because I'd be like, and now a hundred thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, while this is at sixth grade reading level, it is long. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. never mind. But yeah. Would you say in the um Revenge of the Sith novelization, are there scenes in it that aren't in the movie? Oh, oh yeah. this is something I should say. Normally the author, because it takes three to six months. Three is a really short time, by the way, <laughs> but because it takes three to six months to completely write a book before it even goes into um, line editing and proofreading and stuff, um, the author is usually given a script that has been pretty completed. Sometimes they'll be able to screen an early version of the movie. Um so, like, in my novelization, mine, not that I wrote it, but in The Phantom uh -huh. Menace, there are, the dialogue is a little different um, in a lot of scenes, but I think that they are actually, like, original script dialogue. So, there's that. So, anyway, keeping yeah. that in oh, mind, yeah. are there no, scenes in the novel that yes. are in the movie? Yes, and a lot of them are deleted scenes, actually. Um, the deleted scenes that, you know, like... Um, Obi-Wan coming to see Padme twice. There's one scene where he's like, I, or no, 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 maybe it was just the dialogue was taken out. No, no, no. So in the Revenge of the Sith movie, um, before Anakin makes his final descent, um, I think it's before he went to Kata Nomoya, actually, uh, not Kata Nomoya, um, to Utapau. Um, Obi-Wan had stopped by to see Anakin, but only saw Padme. And I guess... Was it supposed to be? But anyway, but he, but that was in here. Um, Padme meeting with other senators, uh, planting the seeds of the rebellion are in here. Um, there was one. There was one particular one that really stuck out to me in the book. Anakin was in Padme's apartment, and I can't remember if she had left for a Senate meeting or or not. I can't remember what was going on, but he was like, <coughs> he was starting to suspect that maybe she was cheating on him, and he was like prowling around the apartment, like. I smell something specific. Padme doesn't like this. Why is it? Why do I smell it? Like, this is not her. She hates this stuff. Why is it in her apartment? And I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, um, there was another scene in here that I think is one of the deleted scenes where Padme is telling Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, she's like, there's a Jedi who can help us that I can go to. And in the book, her first thought was Obi-Wan. And she's like, oh, no. 
what have they done? You know, like she's like she's starting to realize that her and Anakin are like like falling apart. And um and then they have like some like like some scenes that are not quite the same. Like uh like I was reading um the scene where Padme confronts Anakin on Mustafar and um it's it's slightly different. Um like I love this. Padme stumbled down the landing ramp. Well, in the movie she ran gracefully like a gazelle <laughs> down the landing <laughs> ramp. <laughs> um uh, I thought this was interesting when she tells him that, you know, Obi-Wan said that you turned to the dark side, that you murdered Jedi, even younglings, and she's just like she looked in his eyes and all she saw was lava and he didn't say I could never turn the dark side I, I murder young me that's just crazy instead he said Obi-Wan's alive and she's like yep he's gone <laughs> like she, at that moment she realizes yeah he's gone he's absolutely gone um so like that scene that is all slightly kind of makes, different it also kind of adds a little bit to the because in the scene he immediately sees um uh like he looks up and obi-wan's there and it's like implied that he's assuming that she and obi-wan are like a thing <laughs> well, it's yeah, not no, like exactly stated but it and definitely adds to that in the book he thinks that her and obi-wan are together uh, or or have a thing or something that which I thought was really interesting. What did you when on Daddy One Kenobi oh. was right there? Uh, but seriously, <laughs> but it just is like, <laughs> or my favorite, he's like, How could you not? He's physically outstanding, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it really just like it really gave more depth to Revenge of the Sith, I feel like. Um, there was one particular scene that also stuck stuck out at me, and that was when Anakin came to report to Mace Windu that Palpatine was the Sith Lord. And Anakin approaches him, and he's, like, really distraught. And Pal uh, Mace Windu is like, okay, okay. He's like, Anakin, it's okay. What is wrong? Like, you see a softer side to Mace Windu in this, and that really surprised me because you know how everybody, like, a lot of people don't like Mace Windu because of how he treated Anakin, how he was, like, always distrustful of Anakin, which he had good reason to be. Um, I mean, he's very untrusting. <laughs> like, or yeah. very, you know, yeah, like, right, exactly. And so, yeah. but in this scene, he, like, softens up to him and he's like, Anakin. It's okay. What is wrong? I think like he even called him son at one point. I can't remember. Um, but I kind of wonder if Samuel L. Jackson, like if he saw the script and he's like, nah, I ain't saying this soft crap. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he's gonna come in and I'm gonna chew that boy out. Right, <laughs> or, exactly. Know, maybe not. There was also another there was one there was another scene in here that, again, not in the movie. Um, it's when Obi-Wan and Yoda meet up, meet up for the first time after Order 66. And, like, Obi-Wan is so incredibly distraught. And this particular line, like, just, oh, and, like, I think about this all the time now. But he's like, the children, what are we going to tell their families? We told them they would be safe. And, like, Obi-Wan is so distraught. Is that distraught. not in the movie? That's I not feel in like the movie. he said that. Maybe that was in, I feel like I've. See, maybe no, it's because you read it to movie. me. 
Yeah, it's probably I feel I like I remember movie. something like that. No, it was not in the movie. This was like shortly after. This is when Bale picked him up after he got off Utapau. Um, and Bale picked him up and he's like, the children, what we told their families, we would keep them safe. And then Yoda's like, stop it. You're a Jedi. Remember that, you know, <laughs> like get it together, man. That kind <laughs> of adds depth to the Obi-Wan Kenobi show with um, Rhea. Reva. What am I saying? Sorry. Reva. Yeah. Reva. Yeah. Like that. And then, of course, my favorite when him and Yoda are standing there looking at his starfighter and Obi-Wan says, I guess you could sit on my lap. And they just sat there and I laughed until I <laughs> cried. I was, Michelle thought I was oh crying. Gosh. I was wheezing so much. <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh no. Just imagine Yoda sitting on his lap in this starfighter. <laughs> I feel like the the novelization I read, I don't think there were extra scenes. I think there was, you said um, it was dialogue changes. There was a lot of dialogue changes, but it was like extensions of scenes. Like the one yeah. that stands out to me is that when Qui-Gon and Anakin are in the desert um, and Maul attacks, like when they're headed back to the ship, Maul attacks. Um, I feel like, uh, man, I'm going to misquote this, of course, like, but he, I think that he jumped onto the ship and then fell off or maybe he mm, like made it mm -hmm. to the ship and then the other guy jumped on this. the ship and it, he got him up. Like the, there was a longer fight beat there. Um, there was also, the book is written exclusively from, uh, well, I think so. Jar Jar might have been one of them, but otherwise, the book is written exclusively from Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Anakin's point of view. Well, um, and also, didn't you find out in the novelization that Obi-Wan figured the, that Padme, the handmaid and Padme, was Queen Amela? Uh, Qui-Gon was skeptical of her. That's what it was. Yeah, he was yeah. skeptical of the, of the he handmaid. He was kind of like right? something here not right. Yeah, he was basically like some like this doesn't make sense. He it doesn't come out and say that he was like I think she's the queen. I think he was just like I think he was like this handmaiden's up to something. Like well, this we, doesn't make sense. And it was um, the other thing was that there are scenes, of course, in the movie that are told only from. Padme's point of view, or like it's only showing following right, the right. Nabooian people, um, yes. the Naboo. Uh, and they got around this in a couple of ways. They Terry Brooks got around this in a couple of ways. One of them was that Anakin literally was hiding behind a curtain, eavesdropping. And <laughs> like I was like, now I, when I watch the movie, I'm like, there's Anakin hiding. Was like, that when they were there. in Palpatine's office or apartment or whatever? Is that when they're on Coruscant? Yes, I think so. <laughs> um, oh, but there are there are actually extra scenes because Anakin is actually a much bigger character in the book. Obviously, he's like a main character in the movie, but the book mm. actually opens with Anakin on Tatooine. And there's another, and I kind of feel like maybe the movie should have opened with Anakin on Tatooine. It probably would have been a little more boring, <laughs> but like there's two or three other scenes where it's like building his relationship with 
the older woman that was like, you better get out of here, Annie. You know? Mm, yes. Like, oh, for coming. He has a whole relationship with her. There's a scene where he goes and tells her goodbye. He There's some more stuff going on with his friends that shows, like, I think he ended up, like, stealing something, but it was kind of like his friends were also slaves, and the friend's master did something, and Anakin took it for, like, revenge, kind of. Do they have so, the fight like with Greedo? In the book, because there's a deleted scene where it's Anakin beating up Greedo. And I think it's he's a deleted in a scene. fight. I don't remember exactly if it's Greedo or not. He definitely was in a fight, though. Uh, so I guess there were more scenes. <laughs> but, yeah, because I remember Qui-Gon yeah. was like, because he was beating up Greedo because Greedo said that he cheated. And Anakin's like, no, I didn't. And then beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, that I think that is in the book. And he... Um, like the book is basically about how Qui-Gon believes he has found the chosen one. Um, but how I think in the book, he also completely understands that the council is not going to accept it. He's just trying, <laughs> you know, I think he's just like, uh, no one's going to believe this, but here it is. And but he also is still shown like incredibly compassionate and empathetic. Um, oh, and there's extra scenes where he tries to get the mom. Like he extra scenes where he tries to buy the mom mm -hmm. and he goes several different routes and <clears throat> can't get her. And, but the interesting part was that Obi-Wan is kind of portrayed in a little bit of a different light. Um, because he, the whole time Qui-Gon is making these decisions with Anakin, he's like, why has he gone crazy? <laughs> but then he starts to have insecurities about himself where he's like, oh, he doesn't want me to be his Padawan anymore. Or like, oh, he, like, he likes this other kid so much more than like, you know, he ever took to me immediately and stuff like that. And then when he's like, I'm going to take this kid as my Padawan lo learner. Obi-Wan's like, what the heck? I'm standing right here. <laughs> like, this is like his thought process. But then he's like, I mean, I guess I'm ready to take the trials. Like, he's eager, but he's also, he also almost says it out of spite. Where he's like, fine, mm. I'll just take the trials. And yeah. all of that's really interesting. But then it's like extra sad when Qui-Gon dies. <laughs> because he's like, um, he feels like he was holding this resentment that didn't matter and he understand like obi-wan understands when qui-gon dies and he's like promise we'll train the boy he's the cho chosen one like that's when obi-wan understands what's been going on this whole time mm -hmm. and he you know he i think he feels guilty about it and <laughs> it is really interesting because i feel like obi-wan is never portrayed as like like in that movie i feel like he's kind of just like sure my master along for the ride um and in the book, it was much more broody teenagery, but like, it's kind of like in Master and Apprentice, which is my favorite Star Wars book. Um, like you see the disconnect between Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan as Master and Apprentice, um, and then you finally see them kind of like get get at it, but then you still see that disjointedness in the Phantom Menace, but <coughs> but they're still trying to like you know 
have that connection. And you could see, like, at the end, like, Master and Apprentice makes Qui-Gon's death in Phantom Menace just, like, even worse. <laughs> it's, like, even more devastating. But that makes sense, though. Like, I, I, that him being, like, the, the broody teenager. Well, he's 25. He's not a teenager. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. I shouldn't say broody teenage were teenager as much as like easily offended insecure man <laughs> oh yeah well I, it'll make sense 25 he's still a Padawan. Yeah. Pad Padagon. Padawan. <laughs> yeah i thought it was kind of interesting um this is something i researched for the novel because i saw at the store there were three different covers of it and i was like interesting but apparently they commissioned four different covers to be made um huh. the one i bought had uh the queen of naboo on it like you know padme in all the the coronation makeup like the white mm -hmm. face the giant wig and the red dress and whatever yes um and then i was kind of surprised because she's not a pov character <laughs> she's almost not even important like i mean she's driving the plot and stuff but it's kind of like this the book is obviously about Qui-Gon and Anakin, which is fine. You know, I think that that's yeah, it was actually kind of interesting when she revealed herself and Qui-Gon was like, oh, that does make sense. Like it wasn't like I knew it. It was just like, oh, that does make sense. And then I at the same time, I think he was also like um not like ashamed, but kind of like, oh, maybe I should have been slightly more respectful. Like to this girl, but I mm. think that that chapter is actually told from Anakin's POV because he does pine after her like mm -hmm. immediately. Yes. Um. Wh what do you think? Well, speaking of Padme, though, because I don't want to skip over this little negative thing that pissed you off in this book because it also pisses <laughs> me off as a feminist myself. Why don't you tell us about it? Okay, so when we're first introduced to Padme in the Revenge of the Sith, um, hold on, I'm gonna bring this book out again. Um, Matthew Stover writes like a really nice write-up about her, but then, ugh, but then, hold on, I gotta find it. But then it just kind of goes a little downhill from there. So he's like, you know, she's really a very remarkable young woman. Um, she was the youngest queen. Um, the youngest queen to be elected to uh, Naboo, and then she became a senator. Although um, she said she was not the youngest. I know, that's the really confusing part. I was like, all right, guys, was she the youngest or was she not? Somebody needs to tell me. Though, if the movies are technically considered the be-all canon, then she's not, like, she's, like, the second youngest. Um to be been elected to uh okay i found it he calls her an astonishingly accomplished young woman he does say in the novel that she's the youngest ever elected queen of her planet a daring partisan gorilla and measured articulate and persuasive voice of reason in the republic senate then this is where it just goes downhill from here and i fucking hate it and honestly again i'm not entirely blaming matthew sober because he's just writing it what does it feels like a note from George Lucas. Yes. <laughs> her, <laughs> her real life began <clears throat> the first time she looked into Anakin Skywalker's eyes. I'm just like, what? Um, 
And all the girls said collectively, whatever. Found in there not the uncritical <laughs> worship of little Annie from Tatooine, but the direct, unashamed, smoldering passion of a powerful Jedi. Um, she was like, she's like, yeah, I'm all this stuff, but honestly, I am Anakin Skywalker's wife. And I'm like, the fuck? Hell no. If anything, Padme Amidala is um, married to Anakin, not the other fucking way around bitches uh it should be i am not he should be considered padme amidala's husband not she is anakin skywalker's wife i'm like what the hell what like that pissed me off like it would have been fine if he was like also she was his wife because that is valid but to be like but most importantly but it's really what it is because she's like because like you know, after he describes like who she is and how she's an incredibly accomplished young woman, uh, at this point she's like what twenty five in um, Revenge of the Sith. I think she's twenty seven. Twenty eight. Twenty seven. Twenty eight in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. 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 Twenty seven. Twenty eight. I know it's not canon, but I choose to believe the Clone Wars was five years long. I know. Me too. So, I really do too. You know. I feel like five is the perfect number. But anyways, come on, George Lucas. <laughs> He goes on to say, but that's not who she really is. Who she really is is that she's Anakin Skywalker's wife. And I'm like, why did you just downplay her? Why? Dude. And then if the rest of the book wasn't so good, (laughs) um, you would have gotten rid of it. (laughs) I would have thrown it out the window. And like, I remember I got on my Discord server and I was like, guys, this one part in the Revenge of the Sith novel pisses me off. I didn't even have to say it. And one of my friends gets on and says, I know exactly what part you're talking about. And she had a screenshot of it and everything. She's like, yep, this part pissed me off too. But you I was like... casually mark it out with Sharpie and like, we're just going to pretend you never said that. And again, I'm not entirely ridiculous. blaming Matthew Stover because he's just going based off of the script and oh, the sure. movie. For and, sure. you know... But it just like because that's the whole thing about like Revenge of the Sith in general that just kind of makes me mad because like they set up Padme in The Phantom Menace as being this awesome badass person, right? She goes before the Senate and tells him to fuck off and says, I'll do it myself and goes to Naboo and frees her planet, right? And then we get into Attack of the Clones and you don't like you see her be a badass, like at the end of the movie, and that's really it. Like her good scenes, like where she goes before the Senate like directly after the assassination attempt she goes before the senate and delivers this powerful speech about why they shouldn't build a military and then she goes before dooku and is like i'm trying to negotiate here and he's like no she's like all right we're lost i guess but then yeah then you see her be a badass when she's like fighting in the arena and stuff but then like that's really about it same thing in the phantom menace the phantom men or not phantom menace revenge of the sith like completely downplays her even more where she's just this very pregnant I cared nothing except for Anakin. And they took out all of her Her important scenes. Her character arc scenes. Like that would and see this is I think this is why Padme was never really one of my favorite characters growing up. And why I still don't entirely connect with her, even though I they did her dirty for sure. Oh, absolutely. And I think this is why, like why again I'm really trying to um because, you know, Aeneum was written in retaliation in the beginning because I was just so mad with what they did with Padme. So I was like, fine, I'll, it's kind of like one of those, fine, I'll do it myself. Um, 
but now it's changed. You know, like my opinion of Padme has changed drastically in the last couple of years. Um, like I will die for that woman, essentially. Um, we are, I, hmm. I was going to say apologists, but that's not really the right term. <laughs> We no, are like I think like I think both of our opinions of her have changed in like the last few years. Uh, I think Padme. I always liked her as a character, but I think my opinions of the context has changed for sure. Yeah, no, like, I, I, I um like I in Revenge of the Sith. Well, again, I know I've said this several times. It's actually the Star Wars film I've seen the least. Like I've probably seen solo more times than i've seen it like it's well yeah yeah <laughs> i was like wait <laughs> is there another one i've only seen once i've only seen the entirety of um revenge of the sith once and i've seen it you know chopped up a few times like on tv and whatever uh but it's not one of them i sit through i think part of that's because when when it came out i was maybe 12 yeah 2005 yeah um 12 or 13 when it came out and or 11 or 12 when it came out and I as an insomniac but as many other things a soft soul mostly uh could not watch dark movies without having nightmares for weeks mm, so like yeah. I couldn't watch I remember we went to see I'm sure I've told the story before but we went to see a type of the clones and the music at the beginning um I don't remember if it was just that it was super loud because I also had a sensitivity to loud noises and then of course went on to earn a degree in symphonic percussion because that made sense um <laughs> but like it was loud so my mom took me out of the theater and that was back before they had reserved seating and we went and watched spirit instead and then we came <laughs> back because spirit is an hour and a half long and attack of the clones is two plus hours long <laughs> Yeah. We came back and they were fighting in the arena. And I remember, I think the first scene that I actually saw was when they come into the arena and they're going past Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's like, I see you got my message. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, I think that's the, I saw from there to the end. But I just remember the opening and like the first part. I think actually it was when it exploded, the ship exploded was when I was done. Um, but all of that was to say, so when Revenge of the Sith came out, I didn't even go see it. I was like, no. And my dad took my brothers. I'm pretty sure they loved it. It was fun. Um, and me and my mom were like, we're good. And so I didn't see it until we, I saw pieces of it, like I said. And then a couple years ago during the pandemic, we did the, or just before the pandemic, we did our, our personal rewatch of it, right. of the saga. And it was the first time I had seen it in its entirety. And I was like, man, they really did Padme dirty. I think I oh, also yeah. resented her a little bit because of how skinny she was. <laughs> as, you uh -huh. know, little chubby girl problems. Yeah. But, um, And just, you know, but I think I really liked her in episode one. Episode one, my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, episode two, I was like, eh. And I don't. I've never been a huge love story person. I love rom-coms. I'm not into dramatic romance, which Lucas didn't even do well. Let's be real. Uh, and I think in the third movie, I was like, and eh, she's pregnant. And that's like her whole character arc. So it's not yeah. that I disliked her. I think I was just like, eh. But now it's like 
her character actually deserves some redemption. Oh, absolutely. From, as Which, far as that goes. I think that's why, like, the Queen's trilogy was written, was to give her that that character arc that she absolutely deserved. And a lot of people, like, on social media are, like, you know, release the uncut Revenge of the Sith, which includes all of Padme's scenes, because her scenes were so incredibly important, not just to her character, but to the story itself, because in Revenge of the Sith, her scenes were, they were planting the seeds of the rebellion. Padme helped start the rebellion. So, yeah. you know, and she I think it was always meant to be that way, because Lucas plotted out the trilogy, you know, and I think they cut it for time. Although part of that released that uncut version, I heard that that first, you know, the first half hour, 45 minutes when they're rescuing Palpatine, that that sequence is over it's an like hour long. Hours long. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. About that where they too. were like, it's like an hour and 20, some, something outrageous. And then, yeah. but her scenes still are like three minutes long. I will always think that it would have been better if she had just, either found out she was pregnant at the end and Anakin never knew like I was like there's no reason she she has to be nine months pregnant in this movie (laughs) like there's no real reason for that and I think it also benched her you know which it didn't have to but I think you know for the early 2000s pregnant women were basically benched for their their storyline was being pregnant so it just was it yeah was like it, it had my story could have just been so much better essentially like yeah it, not that it could be better it just could have been that she was done dirty like it is good she has a good character arc but we just don't get to see it yeah and they we're all cut it's frustrating because even the stupid clone war i say stupid we do love it but even the show did her dirty sometimes i think it did a much better job yeah. Of portraying a more realistic situation, realistic in a fantasy world, but like a more realistic relationship between her and Anakin and oh, how yeah. how much friction there yeah. was. Yeah. And even though yeah. at the end of each of their fights, they were like, oh, we do love each other. It was still like, this is just full of red flags. <laughs> like, yeah, no, absolutely. Very much. Very, very still, relationship. There were a few episodes where Padme was actually a badass. But I felt like in many more of them, she was a damsel in distress. And that was kind of frustrating. But I feel like, you know, like she's, I I don't even know what I'm saying right now. (laughs) Like, I do think that she's, she, like the substance is there. I need to read the Queen's Trilogy. Uh, It's on my TBR, but I haven't purchased I haven't, it i haven't yet. read queen's hope yet but from what i understand you have to read queen's hope before you can read brotherhood which is about anakin and uh obi-wan at the start of clone wars just a heads up but they say that you should read queen's hope first before you read brother brotherhood because i think they take place about the same time um <coughs> but i haven't read I queen's haven't... Hope yet again for you know reasons <laughs> I haven't read almost any of the supplemental material aside from Princess and the Scoundrel. I kind of want to read the Legends books, uh, the the Heir to the Empire the books. I would, yeah. I yeah. hear like the Essential Legends. You want to, from what I understand, you want to read the Essential Legends collection. That's where you want to go. Yeah, I remember my brother <laughs> had them all growing up. He got them from the library. He was super into them, and I was just like, I don't remember what I was doing. 
<laughs> like, yeah. oh, I had, oh, that's a different conversation and we're already far off topic. So what is your favorite thing about the novelization? That's the last thing I want to know. Um, what, like big picture or small picture, either way. Really, like I said before, it's the depth that it gave the movie. Um, it just added so much more to the movie. You know, you're yeah. getting Anakin, you know, you're inside Anakin's head. And the whole idea, like he, Matthew Stover calls it, he calls it a dragon that's inside of him. You know, or is it a dragon? Is that what he said? He called it a dragon. Um, but he, um, like that's how he describes like the... Um, that darkness inside of him um and then i was reading again because i was trying to because we and i had this conversation earlier about that scene with um on mustafar you know before he sees padme he puts on his anakin skywalker face and he puts on his anakin skywalker's love for her and he um like at that point anakin is the mask <laughs> yeah exactly and this yeah. is like this is mustafar he puts on anakin skywalker's face he lets the love of anakin skywalker flow through him um <laughs> and and yeah it just adds so much more to it and i literally i'm going to i'm going to reread it again i need to reread it again um the shadow that's what he calls it the shadow um and like that makes says, sense i feel like revenge of the sith because it's is it not one of the better received prequels or oh, if absolutely. not the best yeah. received it's the, considered one of the best of the prequels the revenge of the sith is yeah i know a lot of people love it and i feel like, like that story deserves to have that extra nuance that a book can give it <laughs> even my brother who has like really bizarre opinions of star wars like i remember when i asked him what he thought about revenge of the sith when it first came out i was expecting him to be like oh, no and said he was like it was great like i think my brother like really enjoyed it too um how old would he have been when it came out high school. i feel like that's a huge factor in star wars he was star wars so fandom. that came out it came out 20 years ago right uh yeah well, he was like 18. college yeah he was in college 18 yeah he, he seems like the out. seems like the type to like the right age for that yeah he was in he was in college when revenge of the sith came out because i remember i, I was would, in high school i think my favorite part of the phantom menace one is the the structure that it gave like the structure of the story focuses a lot more on anakin from beginning to end because mm -hmm. I feel like the movie kind of drops in on Anakin halfway through the character work that's in the book. Mm, uh, yes. That being said, it's way easier to read character work than it is to sit and watch it on a screen. So I could understand why adding those scenes would have slowed down the movie. But right. I was like, I mean, Anakin is like the reason people came to watch the movie. <laughs> so like, well, yeah, I understand. The story of Darth Vader you know yeah and so and it was also really interesting because there's a lot of foreshadowing in it um where it would be like 
Anakin would be like, I would never allow that. And like, yeah, I have some bad news. Yeah, but, right. You know, uh, yeah. Overall, novelizations, we liked them. Mm -hmm. um, I do really want to read a certain point of view. I just looked and for some reason it's cheaper at Barnes and Noble than it is at Thrift Books. We'll have to have a discussion. <laughs> um, but next week, oh, and hopefully whenever I do read the Queen's trilogy, we'll have another book bonus episode on it. And we'll have an actual discussion because then we both will have read it. Yes. Yeah, um, it'll have to be after I read The Queen's Hope because I have not read The Queen's Hope yet for reasons. Oh, true. For re because we're waiting to get through that uh, timeline in yeah. the fan fiction so we're not overly influenced by it or influenced yes. at all by it. Exactly. Because yeah. I'm not trying to make... Because so I it'll be a while. not Padme 2.0. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, we're going to keep reading The Princess and the Scoundrel and give updates as we go through the Andor series. How many episodes are there of Andor? Is it an eight? Or 12? I feel like it's 12. Episodes. Yeah. As we go through Andor, we will be updating you guys on that, as well as Star Wars news. And the hope slash goal is to publish every Tuesday. So yes, join us here to figure out whether or not we're forcing it. <laughs> yes. Until then, I'm Annie. I'm Marianne. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.